Welcome to Cups and Cakes Presents Inside the Art Studio. The interview you're about to hear was originally recorded on February 15th, 2018. To find out more about Cups and Cakes, visit them at cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. What you're about to hear may contain filthy language and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. I'm your host, Jeff McCallum. Hailing from Fernie BC, Shred Kelly write fun, danceable alt-pop music. Their latest release, Archipelago, features a higher production than past efforts, which fits this band well. Tim Newton and Sage McBride's voices soar over expertly crafted songs that explode into sweeping crescendos while maintaining their fun-filled pop sensibilities. Joining me today to talk about the new record and more is Sage and Tim. So uh, the first thing I'll do is get you guys to introduce yourselves. Hello, I'm Sage and I play keyboards and sing in the band. And I'm Tim and I play uh, the banjo, ukulele and I sing as well. So your guys' incredible new album, Archipelago, is a month old about now. How did the songwriting recording for this album go this time around? Well. Actually, it was quite a bit different than our last albums that we recorded. Um, The last albums we recorded, we worked in Toronto with a producer there, uh, John Critchley at Green Door Studios. And it was great working there at that studio, but the only downside to that was we had to fly there and we had a very tight schedule to record both those albums. Like We only had about three and a half weeks to Mm -hmm. get each album done. So when you do that, you go and it's kind of a rushed process and uh, you know there's always stuff at the end afterwards you're like oh I wish I thought of that you know but we just didn't have time we didn't think of it yeah and uh, so this time around we recorded way closer to home we recorded in Calgary at uh, OCL Studios and uh, another studio in Vancouver uh, our producer Howard Redekop's home studio Mm -hmm. so we kind of split our time between the two Um, and we kind of took a year to do it this time. We sort of um, we went into OCL in Calgary and laid uh, the first tracks um, for about six songs. And then we'd go to Howard's a month later after thinking hard about what we want to add, yeah. you know, and we'd uh, do the vocals there and then some other overdubs. So it, it really was like a nice, lo- elongated, uh, relaxing process where we could sort of really plan things out and... and and uh, nail it home sort of in the end. So yeah, I I kind of enjoyed the length of the process this Mm -hmm. time, yeah. So you mentioned Howard Redekop. You also had Josh Gwilliam Mm -hmm. uh, produce this record. I was wondering what it was like working with some pretty impressive producers and also what you guys thought about what they were able to bring to the table for you guys. Um, it was really, yeah, it was pretty incredible working with both of them because they, uh, working with Josh at OCL was amazing because OCL Studios, we got to stay upstairs above. So we were staying on site and they had a practice room. So we would go in, we'd wake up in the morning and work at, work on songs even before Josh got there. And then Josh was really awesome at just like pulling the best out of us for takes and like giving advice on what we should rework or different parts we could play or better ways that we could 
uh, make the song sound. And we were chatting with Howard the whole time throughout that process because he was in Vancouver. So then um, when we went to Vancouver, Howard, um, it was really cool working with him on vocals because he would, he would, just had a really wonderful way of trying to get us to have our best performance, but without being like too pushy about it he'd just be like okay again and now visualize this and then you'd be like oh okay and so he had like this very <laughs> calm way and even though like for sometimes we'd be like not nailing the part at all and he'd just be like okay let's uh why don't you visualize yourself doing this and he was just so cool and relaxed about it and he had all these um different he'd have like his voice memo so he'd be like I hear a vocal line or a synth line or a guitar line playing this and he'd sing the part and then we'd figure out what instrument to play back so he came up with all these cool kind of layers to the songs that we could add and yeah it was just a really it was really neat it was and he lived down the street from this amazing burrito place so we went there <laughs> every day for lunch and that was the creative, lived burritos. that was the creative fuel <laughs> yeah if uh the last two albums were living off of falafels this one was living off burritos yes nice the burrito the burrito album and donuts josh uh in at OCL is a donut connoisseur. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> is, that, is that a thing? It is a thing, <laughs> apparently. And so we'd show up every day with uh, a new uh, dozen donuts that were like the craziest donuts you've ever heard. Like, you know, they're not not the Tim Hortons yeah. ones. They're like... They got a fancy donut place in Calgary? They must. I like guess so. Yeah. He has yeah. like a special spot and I forget what it is. Maybe there's one in Edmonton, but he said if people bring him donuts from this place and he's like... You're his favorite. I don't. I think we only ever brought him Tim Hortons donuts, so I don't think we're his favorite. Ooh. And uh, yeah, I think we, we. So we all gained thirty pounds during yeah. the recording <laughs> of Archipelago. <laughs> right on. So the album it's released on a German label called Devil Duck. Yeah. I was curious about how that all happened. Mm. Well, it's interesting. Um, this is our first record label that we've worked with, mm-hmm. and. Um, Rewinding about uh, two years ago, we were playing in Regina um, and Saskatoon with a band called The Dead South, mm-hmm. who are uh, really doing well right now. They, they've, in the last year, sort of um, blown up with a really good music video that sort of went viral. But back then, uh, they were opening for us, and uh, they were mentioning that they had just gotten back from Germany. And we were like, wow, how do you... We've never been overseas before. Yeah. We've only played in Canada. How do you do that? And so they, they said, well, actually, I think, uh, you know, your music would really uh, work well with um, this uh, record label there called Devil Duck Records. Um, it's only, at the time, it was just a, a German record label yeah. primarily, but um, the label head Jorg was bringing over lots of Canadian bands to play in Germany. Yeah. And so for our last album, we sort of hired their subsection of the label, uh, Dan Can, to do label services for us there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jorg ended up seeing us at Rifflandia in Van- in Victoria. And uh, he was like, you know, I got to bring you guys to Germany. Let's let's get a Shred Kelly tour going. So long story short, we uh, um, toured the sort of tail end of our last album there. Yeah. And uh, then sort of working with Jorg with this new album, he proposed that uh, we put it out on Devil Duck, but um, they're expanding now internationally. So they're opening an office in Toronto and in um, Austin, Texas as well. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so we're the first, uh, this this record, Archipelago, is the first release on the international label of Devil Duck. So right on. Yeah. 
I didn't realize this was the first time you put a record out on a label. Yeah. yeah. We've been doing it independently for the past three albums. So it's been, yeah, it's been working out <laughs> yeah. because it, we're still we're still doing it so it's definitely been working but uh yeah we've just kind of because we work with a booking um pack and entertainment and yeah. then indoor recess so we kind of have hired all the people around us but then never really worked with a label before so it's we're really excited for this one just to have uh we've already just been emailing back and forth with the team and it's like oh it's really cool to have like a team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like before we've just been like our own team and then hired people and like worked with amazing people, but it's really nice to be like, oh, this is cool to like release it with a group of other people who are passionate about the project. So we're pretty excited. That's kind of uh, covering my next question, but what other advantages are you seeing so far from having a label behind you other than having a team behind you? Um, well, I guess we saw yesterday that uh, you can get the, you can buy the album from HMV online in the UK. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're like, yeah, what? Yeah. HMV. Cool. It still exists and you can there. buy our album there in, no. in England. No way. I know. Oh my God, I, that's so cool. I, I was like uh, high-fiving my high school <laughs> self. Yeah. Like, my album's in HMV. And yes. then that same day, a guy from the UK wrote underneath one of our posts, like, how can I, how can I order your vinyl to the UK? And I was like, actually, link to the HMV site. <laughs> you can. This is so cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that was uh, the most, uh, the, I guess that's the most recent perk that I could think of. But uh, it's because we've kind of been working with the label services of Devil Duck for the past two years as well. We've kind of already been um, receiving kind of the same like it still had the same relationship without mm -hmm. being officially on the label and now we're just I guess distribution is kind of the only thing that's really like mm -hmm. added more to like the relationship that already existed yeah. so just the HMV link is <laughs> that's pretty but, awesome yeah. <laughs> but we had already kind of had that team like we always really felt supported by Dan can and they have a booking agency in the UK and so we already had felt really supported by them even on our last run so now it's just cool to see what will uh what will happen with this this and little the, guy the the band the dead south who I mentioned um sort of hooked us up with devil duck records initially um, I mentioned that they're, they're doing really well now and we just recently got to uh, open for them all through Germany in uh, like sold out halls, uh, yeah. which is amazing. And I think, I don't know if we would have ever uh, made that connection uh, like that, uh, you know, of uh, being able to uh, play sold out shows all through Germany with a, a great band if it wasn't for a record label. So yeah. 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 yeah I don't know if we would have been, um, been given that opportunity just because I think labels try to send out like this the band the smaller bands on their labels out with their bigger ones and try to get them yeah. some exposure and yeah. so if we weren't on the label then there'd be no reason really to send us they'd want to get someone out there who could for sure sell some yeah. cds so yeah. we we're like so that was really great because yeah we got to play in berlin i think they uh the dead south had show, sold out like a show to 1200 people so wow. that was pretty remarkable we're like we're in berlin playing to 1200 people <laughs> this is like you sometimes you have to pinch yourself you're like whoa and it's kind of crazy because as you do it it's like all these like milestones just kind of happen 
but then you kind of just have to stop and be like, okay, three years ago, did anyone think you'd be playing to 1,200 people in Berlin? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but nope. So it's pretty cool. Sometimes you're like, okay, we're really lucky. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, which way do we go here? Well, we're talking about touring right now, so let's just quickly mention the fact that yeah, you guys just put out a brand new album mm-hmm. and right now is the very start of your tour but when this airs you'll be mostly done Canada you'll still have BC to go mm-hmm. um, what where are you touring in BC what, what dates you got we're touring <laughs> I'll take this one too yeah I'm I like literally play the banjo and get in the van I'm like, I don't <laughs> every day on tour Tim's like where are we where going are we, today, we going today? <laughs> How, what day do we get home where what do I get coffee can I work? <laughs> and then whenever we get to a gas station Tim gets in the gas station and we're like think about what you want to buy first Tim it's got the same stuff as every other gas station <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's a whole new so world much choice. in there. <laughs> so, much. <laughs> so much choice in every gas um, station. But we're playing, uh, We're I think in BC we start in Vernon and then we're doing Nelson and Fernie and then we're going to play in Kamloops and Whistler and Victoria and Vancouver. Okay. And then you take off for Europe, correct? Yeah, and then we have a week off, and then we go to Europe for three weeks. Nice. Or two and a half weeks or something along those lines. <laughs> and is that going to be mostly in Germany, or are you kind of going all, all around Europe? Mostly in Germany, but then this time we're going to open for the Dead South again in um, London, so we're just going to uh, fly over to London and open for them for one show and then fly back to our tour. And then um, we're going to also play in Austria and Switzerland, Switzerland, Czech, Czech Republic. Yeah, and maybe Denmark too? Yeah. Hmm. Super yeah. fun. Yeah, so we get to see all these new, because uh, so far we've only toured uh, Germany. And we always fly in and out of Amsterdam, so we usually have a day yeah. off when we fly in. And we rent bikes and bike around and do the stuff that you do when you're in Amsterdam. <laughs> 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 it, won't, it won't really be that exciting soon enough I know, in Canada, right? right? Yeah. 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 We don't, need, be like, we oh, don't yeah. need Amsterdam anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Okay, Tim, you were talking about going back to your high school self. Um, yeah. So with the death of much music, mm-hmm. you guys are still keeping the music video alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys are doing way more music videos than most bands would ever consider doing, and there's already two out for the new album, correct? Yeah. So I was wondering, what do you guys see as advantages for doing music videos still? Well, I've, I've always been... Apart from the business side of needing a video, I've just been a, a massive fan of music videos since mm-hmm. I was a kid. So I think that it's one of the most enjoyable parts of this job is being able to make a music video and and conceive, uh, or or you know come up with the, the script and and uh, and and that's what we've been lucky enough to actually write the script of some of our videos, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool process. And then we've worked with amazing. Um, production companies as well that um, came up with the concept and and made it all come together. But on the business side of things, I think it's still pretty essential to have uh, a music video because these days with social media, um, you know, you need a visual representation of of your music. And 
Yeah, I think um, the more the merrier, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I really like them just because I think, well, especially we just put out one recently, a few days ago for our song, Don't Ever Look Back. And it was um, based on a play by a Calgary playwright called Heterophobia. And my mom, who had listened to the album, because I send it to my parents long before it comes out, and then they always call me like once a week, and they're like, this is my favorite song now, and this one is. And Don't Ever Look Back was never one of their favorite songs, but after the video came out, my mom was like, "It." the video just went so perfectly with the song that it brought out elements of the song that I hadn't really heard before. And I ended up enjoying the song so much more because of what it was doing visually with the video, like the way it was paired and the way it works. So it can really like bring out, make the song even better because it kind of, it's not just like a standalone. It's like two art pieces working beautifully together, which can make something really memorable for people. And sometimes, sometimes a song or video can do that alone, but when they're paired, it can be something even greater. So I really like that aspect of the music video of like how they can come together. You kind of just a- a- went ahead and answered my next question because <laughs> I, I thought that video was exceptionally well done. Did you guys write that one or did someone else no. come up with that idea? No, that was uh, the Light Factory in Calgary. Yeah. So they we contacted them because we had worked with them on Archipelago, the video for that one, and we just they were a super great company to work with. They were super professional and everything they shot was really beautiful. And so we gave them the song and sort of said like, um, the sky's the limit. What, like, what do you guys? And we said mm, it, it's kind of a song about relationships, but we don't want it to be just like a, a standard kind of like relationshipy video. Like, we don't want it to go. We don't want to go that way with it. So then they presented a few ideas, and one of them was that one of the Bretts had watched Heterophobia um, when it was in Calgary, and he was like, I just think that, it's like, I haven't spoken to the playwright yet, but I think that the two ideas ideas would work so beautifully together because the song's about like relationships in a modern age, and the play was about that too, about like flipping um, the social norms, and so he asked the playwright, and she was on board, and she's even in the video with her partner. Oh, no way! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think they worked on the script together, so Pam and the Light Fact came up with the script for the video and then the actors were amazing they're like who are these people this is incredible (laughs) it's a really really great video like really really great video yeah we were yeah i i love it i keep watching it because we weren't even on set so it's like just amazing for us (laughs) to watch we're like whoa how did all these creatives put this together it's so beautiful and i'm just like ah i'm just in awe of the work they did right on so I've always been curious, I'm like, because the show's focused on Western Canada, I always talk to bands from cities. So you guys are from small town Fernie. Yeah. What's it like being a band in in a small town? And do you find it harder that to get maybe noticed than you would in a, in a major city that's supported by a scene and a group of fans and a lot of contacts? Um, it's definitely, uh, it definitely has its challenges, but it also has um, its advantages. Because we're from a small town, we were kind of, when we were just starting out as a band and we weren't very um, tight or well rehearsed, we had kind of the support from our community right away, which was really amazing because people were coming out to the shows and we had the support and we were like, you know what, we can, we can do this. And <laughs> yeah. so we kind of felt nurtured and then it kind of propelled us to get out on the road rather than in a city. There's kind of like, there's so many amazing bands in the cities that sometimes you might feel 
like stifled or inadequate by comparison or not be able to like get people to the shows because there's so much going on. So mm-hmm. we kind of from the beginning were like, everyone's coming out to the shows. This is awesome. And that kind of like propelled us to take the show on the road. But I think there's definitely some disadvantages to being in a small town in the sense that when there's like a an amazing show or a big band like often smaller bands and cities get opening opportunities or they can network with other people in the music industry and make other pals or connections a lot easier for us it's a bit harder we have to leave Fernie yeah to do that so we're on the road a lot so yeah. that works out yeah, <laughs> yeah. actually the other day because we started working with a publishing company called um, Americana Music Publishing and they're based out of Edmonton but he was in um, Don one of the owners of the company was in Fernie for a film festival and so he's like let's meet for a coffee and have a meeting and I was like we're having a business meeting in Fernie this has never <laughs> happened before it's like other musicians probably get to do this every every week they just get to like sit down with people and chat and make connections but for us we have to drive usually six hours <laughs> so the big question have you ever considered moving for the band Actually, it hasn't ever come up. No? Um, no. And I think the reason is because we all originally... We're not, none of us are born and raised in Fernie. We're all from different parts of the country. And we all initially, way before the band, had moved there for the, for the town itself, yeah. the community. So we all made a decision to move there um, because we love the place. Yeah. And we wanted to sort of um, grow some roots there. And um, so... Um, when the band started, it uh, and the career sort of started progressing. Uh, it just never came up. We just were like, "This is our home. This is where we want to be." And yeah. uh, and it kind of uh, ins- the, the town itself sort of inspires us as well. Like we have this high energy music um, that uh, kind of comes through in the songwriting. I think too. Like we, you, you can know. really hear yeah. hear like mountain town. Yeah, in your music. <laughs> I, that's right for sure. Yeah. So maybe that would be lost if we moved to uh, you know Vancouver, or Calgary, or Fair Toronto enough. or something yeah. like that. So yeah, who knows? Cool. But, so that's the end of like my, you know, serious questions. The ones, the ones we got to get in there. Okay. <laughs> now uh, we like to do something here at Cups and Cakes called Rapid Fire, and it doesn't need to be rapid at all if you don't want it to be. It's up to you. It's take it as ho- however you want to take it. But right. uh, it's kind of like we like to get to know you guys a little bit better. So we're going to start things off and see how you guys do. All right. My first question What album sparked your love of music? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream. It's true. He listens to it still, he still all listens the time. To it, yeah, nice. Yeah. Sometimes in the, I guess like the first album that I just remember listening to on repeat would be to would either be Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, or the Fugees. What is that album called? I just listen to the it score? all the time. Yeah, the score. Yeah, that's and, a good album. Oh, I listened to those albums like nonstop as a kid, and I just like would I think burned through a couple of copies of those CDs. Nice. So, what's your current musical obsession? The War on Drugs. Um, I'm always a fan of Arcade Fire, but then there's always so many new bands popping up. But Arcade Fire, I just love so much because I love their recorded stuff. But then every time you go to a live show, it's just it blows your mind even more. So I just really love their dedication to not only their recorded craft, but also their live show and that not one to them is more important than the other. It's like they're both equally 
uh, incredible. Awesome. Burgers or pizza? Ooh, pizza. Burgers. Really? You said the other day that if you were going to die, that you would, oh no, you said Big Macs. But then you're second. <laughs> you're second. <laughs> if you could only have one food, it was Big Macs. What they <laughs> need to do is invent a vegetarian Big Mac. <laughs> why, do, why doesn't that exist? Then you could eat Because the Big Mac, I think, is the greatest burger ever. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Why veggie? Are you a vegetarian? I'm a. I'm a. We're talking about burgers, and you're talking about how I you know. love them. Okay, so I'm not a vegetarian, <laughs> but I I am mostly a vegetarian. So I'm not a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm an aspiring he's, vegetarian. He's a vegetarian okay. who eats vegetarian. Uh, um, a vegetarian-based diet all day, every day, except for. A few times a week when he has Big Macs. <laughs> Pretty much. There you go. <laughs> oh, I love it. How do you take your coffee? Uh, two creams, one sugar. Uh, usually I take it black, but then sometimes I have two creams and one sugar. At home, though, it's maple syrup. Ooh, Tim nice. and I, are, we're also married. That's why we're... Oh. <laughs> that's why we're talking to each other. About our, <laughs> about our favorite. About I, our I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. Um, alcohol or marijuana? Alcohol. Ooh. Uh, you know, I used to say alcohol, but I think... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk in July. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, you like a combination of both. Yeah, I think it's That's a 50-50 like, on both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the best thing to happen to you on stage? Uh, well, we just had someone uh, propose oh, to yeah, their really uh, cool. to their significant other on stage. That's awesome. Yeah, they they messaged uh, or he messaged us beforehand and just said, "I." This, it was our Fernie show, our last Fernie show, and yeah. he, he said, uh, "Yeah, I want to propose to my wife or my future wife." And um, we planned it in the breakdown. Of, uh, no, that was song. his suggestion because I said, is there a song you want us to play right after uh, you propose? And he said, I want you to play it in the breakdown of Sing to the Night when it goes quiet and Tim just plays the banjo before he starts playing. That's when I'll propose. <laughs> We're like, oh, wow, this is very yeah. specific. <laughs> so we got the entire crowd to get down on their knees. Yeah. Like we commanded them. And then he uh, stood up and pulled his girlfriend up and proposed to her. That's amazing. But I had forgotten to email him back to tell him that he could propose. And so right before we went on, one of, I think Tim or Jordan was like, what's going on with the guy proposing tonight? I was like, oh my God, I forgot to, I had a cold and I forgot to email him back. I was like, oh God. So I had his phone number in my phone. So I called him and I was like, we're about to go on stage. Are you here? And he like came out the back door. He's like, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. The worst thing that ever happened was I had, um, well, there's been a couple, but I uh, we got to open for Elliot Brood in the early days of our band, which was like, you know, it was huge for us at the yeah. time. Right before the show, I got beaver fever. Do you know no, what that is? Yeah. I do know what that I, is. Yeah, it's Giardia. I got a parasite, which, uh, and I didn't know I had it until, you know, like hours before. And so it uh, wasn't fun. That was terrible. I played the show. Um, kind of with a, a very sweaty stance, trying to hold it together, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, then had to immediately exit the stage afterwards. That was that was a hard one. Yeah. That was tough. The other worst moment was when we we were playing at a music festival called Folk on the Rocks, and there was a very intoxicated lady who got on stage and went to crowd surf. But first, she was really drunk, so she she aggressively like pushed me out of the way, and I was like, whoa, whoa, and then. She 
she like went to the front of the stage and went to jump but didn't really kind of give like a nod or like an indication that she was about to do it just did it and everyone cleared <laughs> and she just fell and it was Harding like cement it was like <gasps> and we were in the middle of a song and then and then she she was fine and she ran off but then I think <laughs> Tim on the microphone it's like is the is the young lady who fell into the, is she okay? I'm like I you might be making it worse. By <laughs> stopping the. I was like a scared like dad for her. Yeah. I was like, Are you, I just really like, hope she's okay. If she's embarrassed right now, you yeah. stopping everyone be like, where is the girl that fell? <laughs> Can we confirm her whereabouts and if she's okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's like hiding in a porta potty. <laughs> Bring Crying. her out here. <laughs> How many pets do you have, and what are their names? Uh, we have two pets. What? They're named Riker and Chili. Okay, we don't have any pets because we're in a band, and that's yeah. impossible to have pets because we're on the road all the time. But we are Fernie's number one dog sitters. Uh, yes. So whenever because to get our pet fulfillment, we just be whenever we're home for an extended period of time, we're like, bring us your pets. Yeah. So we can get we can feel like we own dogs, but we don't. What's the strangest job you've ever had? I wrote a whole song about this actually. <laughs> One of our first songs is called I Hate Work. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've worked a number of like weird jobs. I worked at a biodiesel production plant for a week. That okay. one didn't even make the song. It didn't, but... Um, That's a bonus for all the listeners out yeah, there. Yeah. Like, whoa, another one of Tim's jobs. Another Tim job. <laughs> it was a weird one. I, I you know, I was... Uh, they made uh, fuel out of vegetable oil. Used veg- greasy vegetable oil from fryer traps. Yeah. So that was neat in theory but my job was to like mix giant like barrels of congealed fat oh, so disgusting so it was really gross yeah, yeah it was nasty in a cold warehouse it was yeah it wasn't good that's one of the weirdest jobs but i picked uh bananas in australia oh yeah that was a like a backpacker job i had that made the song which was a, the worst job i've ever had yeah. by far yeah Stage? Um, most of my jobs have been pretty normal jobs, except for I did get contracted to be the spokesperson for Fernie Tourism. So I had to make a couple of videos where I walk around showing everyone the great parts about, or the best things about Fernie. <laughs> so those are on YouTube. So I'm like, here we are at the ski hill. <laughs> so it wasn't really weird. It was just, uh, it was mostly fun. And I got to talk about a town that I love, but uh, it's, uh, it's funny because I'll, it's now shown, I think, in Fernie to all the new people who get jobs like at the ski hill or doing um, jobs in town. So sometimes people will be like, I recognize you. I'm like, oh, from the cool band I'm in they're like no from the information <laughs> video about things to do in Fernie I'm like Aww. yeah that's me <laughs> but I'm proud of my town so it's okay <laughs> there you go if you could open for any artist on the planet who would it be like a touring band now or like any band that ever existed yeah let's, let's bring them back from the dead if let's we need bring to them back from the, okay bring them back from the dead okay I'll go uh the Ramones nice I'd like uh, I'd be really into opening for Fleetwood Mac just to meet them and just get to yeah hang out with them. That'd be pretty cool. Right on. I mostly would want to ask like who is married to who now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are your tips for making a marriage work on the road? Yeah. Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> I don't know if you want to take it. No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite childhood toy? 
<laughs> I had a um, a stuffed ET doll. Nice. Yeah. And what did the ET doll do that one time? It lit my bedroom carpet on fire. <laughs> what? <laughs> so uh, yeah, I. Uh, you know, most boys are pyromaniacs, and yeah. I, um, I found a cigarette lighter and lit my my bedroom uh, carpet on fire. And I, I heard my mom coming because I guess she smelled smoke. And I, I put the uh, the lighter in ET's hand. And when she came in, I, I was like, "It was it was ET, mom. It wasn't me." <laughs> uh, I can't remember my favorite toy. I think it was probably just Barbie. I played with Barbies till I was like in ninth grade. <laughs> have to find like the only other people in school who still played barbie in high school be like you want to come over play barbies <laughs> don't tell anybody <laughs> or keep it on the dl keep it on the dl no one can know that we still play barbies we're 15 15 <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe, oh, maybe 13 I don't <laughs> beetles or the stones beetles uh, i'm gonna go stones on that stones What's the best Canadian city to play? Oh, man. I don't know. Or small town. Or, oh. Oh, well, that changes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. uh, They're all so good. I know. That's hard. That's really hard. That's a really hard question. Because, yeah, it's hard to pick favorites. I'll just say uh, some of the best times we had, I've had, have been in Jasper, Mm -hmm. Alberta. Yeah. Um. Because uh, we play at the Legion Hall there, and it's it's like just the vibe of the audience, and you know everybody is just uh, appreciative and into it. It's like yeah. one of the, my favorite crowds. And then um, we recently uh, sold out two nights in a row there, so we got to um, play two sold out shows and then hang out in Jasper in between the two shows, which is a that's pretty place. awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah. That is fun. Oh, I can't pick a favorite. Oh man, I just love them all. Every time, <laughs> every fun. time it's okay. <laughs> Maybe you're uh, willing to be a little bit more of a harsher critic on this question. What's the worst city to play? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh man, does this get broadcast? All <laughs> <across> <laughs> hmm, the worst. The worst. Um, we haven't had a lot of bad experiences experiences like especially recently in our early days we had some like questionable shows but oh, those were of, like I, I know what one of them was it was in St. Albert actually <laughs> it was in St. Albert not that we love St. Albert don't get me wrong I love the town of St. Albert yeah but in our, our very I don't <laughs> we actually recently played Canada Day last year and it was great yeah. but uh, in our very very first tour outside of Fernie uh, the summer of 2010 our very first show yeah. was in St. Albert I can't remember the name of the bar yeah. but uh, it's probably not it, open anymore. it was uh, terrible and then at the end of the night they didn't pay us oh ouch or no they told us not only were we not getting paid but we had to like find money to pay the sound guy because not enough people had come and we're yeah. like uh, we like, don't what? have any money this yeah, is our first show on a works. tour <laughs> like we don't have any cash if yeah. you didn't give us any money we don't have any <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so, and then we had to, we were kind of like crying because we'd never 
had this experience before and then our friend who is a bit of a hard ass was like I'm going in I'm telling them they're not getting any money and we want the money that we paid for our tickets back (laughs) (laughs) so then she goes so we got like $30 I can't remember the place I don't think it's around anymore but I forget yeah so there's nothing that's like actually like sometimes there's like venues that are kind of weird but then you go back like a few years later and then all of a sudden you're like oh then we had because we played St. Albert this past summer at the like Canada their Canada Day, Day celebrations, Festival, yeah. and the people who were organizing that treated us wonderfully. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so we can't blame the entire community. It yeah. was just the <laughs> What's the weirdest request you've ever had from a fan? <laughs> okay, Tim so gets a lot. I do. I this is this happens like so often on tours. <laughs> One of the weirdest ones so far um, in Germany, in Berlin, our first time we went there. We played at this like. Um, interesting little place and uh, we got, immediately got a dance floor going and then after the show the the like ringleader of the dance floor there's always one sweaty guy that's like <laughs> the, you know drunkest you know guy he's like the sweatiest dude and he came uh, up to me afterwards in a very broken english was like uh, let's trade shirts <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm like, what? You want to trade shirts? He's like, trade shirts. And I was just like, I was like, uh, and I, I'm a, I'm a yes guy. I, you know, I, I, I find it so hard to say no to people all the time. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and so next thing I know, I'm wearing like a way too tight, uh, V-neck T-shirt, <laughs> really sweaty T-shirt, really sweaty T-shirt, and I'm just feeling very uncomfortable. Oh, gross. And he's wearing my baggier T-shirt, and then uh, he just walked away. So I was like, he took my shirt. <laughs> and and of course, I'm like, uh, excuse, uh, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll just. And in the know. van after, Tim's like, that guy took my shirt, and we're like, did you take it off your back and give it to him? And he's like, well, yeah, but he took my shirt, and we're like, Tim, too nice, too nice. <laughs> you all did it. That same guy, we played another time in Germany at the same bar and he came and brought his entire friend like base. Oh, and nice. We had a, so it kind of worked in a way. So we owe you and the band owes you a new yeah, shirt. Yeah, you that know, was, I that was took a one for the team that night. Marketing expense. <laughs> it was very weird. You also once got asked this, I don't think, this was when maybe when you were doing a jam night, but someone asked it or you got propositioned to have a threesome before. <laughs> what? Remember that no. couple from Golden? Uh, yeah. Golden. <laughs> golden. Golden. <Cars. laughs> right. Typical Golden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that, but yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> Stop being coy. Stop being coy. That was not your first threesome proposition, and it won't be your last. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Um, where do we go from here? I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Uh, give me one of your bucket list items. Um, well, a recent bucket list item for me, <laughs> but the only reason I think of it is because it's the only time I've talked about my bucket list in a while. The only thing on my list at the moment is in Fernie at the ski hill. There's a, a table there in the bar, at the Apre bar, that it's like a very long table and people get drunk and they do naked table slides. So they like pour water or beer on it and then people get naked and then slide across. And it's on my bucket list to do that before I die. But I think I'm waiting until I'm a bit older, perhaps. I think it would be more fun to do, like, in my 60s. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I just gotta, I've got to hold off for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. My bucket list. I feel like we're, we're getting so close to going to space. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah, like... Definitely. Yeah. 
more and more people are going to go to space. I want to go to space. Yeah. 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 I don't care. I if think it's that like, could be doable in our lifetime. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Totally. I yeah. am very excited for it. I, I like if it's like just for 10 minutes. Yeah. That's just to float around. Yeah. That's my bucket list. Nice. You have, you have bigger ambitions than I do. <laughs> <laughs> you want to slide naked across a table. I want to get in a rocket and launch from our planet <laughs> into space. Uh, maybe I have to reassess yeah. my goals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I just got one more question for you guys. If you could hang out with one of your musical idols, would you? That's that's hard because they they always say never meet your heroes, right? <laughs> they do. Because what if what if you hate them? Um, I don't know that I would want to. I kind of like keeping them as like mystical creatures mm-hmm. that I've kind of like invented the personality and life yeah. for. Although I don't know, it depends. Like there are certain people that. But what if they were rad and you could just pick their brain all day? And That's true. Just like you know the funnest. Although I did blow it when we met Win Butler. Yeah. <laughs> so i don't know that i can i don't know that i can be that i would have the conversation that i would want to have because i would be too too nervous i'd be too nervous so i would just that that is true whenever i meet somebody i really admire i'm just not myself yeah i just get too nervous so they they might be wonderful but i would be like ah Why'd I, why'd I say that? Why'd I do that? Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, when we met Wim Butler, we had just, he was at a bar after the concert and everyone else kind of left and I was just chatting with him and I think I, all I could muster was, where are you going to on tour next? And he was like, Saskatoon. I was like, great, great city, great city. How's, what's the weather looking like? It's like, no! no. I knew it! And then he gave a nod and moved on his way. I was like, that was my chance. <laughs> Your chance. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I always wondered what it would be like to meet, meet like heroes. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to go no on that. I'm going to just keep my heroes as a yeah mythical creature. Fair enough. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all I have for you guys. Thank you so much for coming and joining me on Inside the Artist Studio. And uh, best of luck on your tour and the rest of 2018. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. This has been awesome. Right on. And now, dear listener, to send you on your way, we'll leave you with Stay Gold from Shred Kelly's latest release, Archipelago. Yeah.
Cups and Cakes Presents is produced by Jeff McCallum. The featured track was played with permission from Shred Kelly. Undercurrents from Atlantis Jazz Ensemble's album Oceanic Suite is the background music throughout the entire episode. Oceanic Suite is available through Ottawa's Marlowe Records. Find out more at marlowrecords.com. Inside the Art Studio is the second podcast from Cups and Cakes. To hear the original and learn more, go to cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.